0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here with John Pigeon, as always. And today's episode sparks from a question that David asked in the Facebook group, wanting to know the predicted growth regions over the next five to 10 years. Now, if you've been a long time listener, you will know that John does a lot of property investment purchases for his clients as a buyer's agent. And he's in the know of markets across Australia. I'm a little bit more on the emotional side with home buying, John's numbers and facts and figures. And so today, the style of the podcast will more so be me asking John a whole lot of questions about investment areas, where he thinks the growth might be and giving you some ideas of where you could look as a buyer or investor in this market. So let's get straight into it. I'm really keen to unpack what John has to say and I've got my Google Maps at hand to check the areas that he tells me because um, I don't know Australia that well. I mean, I do, but I also don't. So let's go. John, it's a hard-hitting question and it's probably the most common one you would get as an investment buyer's advocate. Like, where do I buy? Where's the growth going to be in the next five to 10 years? Where are the hotspots? Mm. Do you believe in hotspots?
2: Yeah, again, I, I don't I don't keep referencing the book, but I did talk about... <laughs> <laughs> buy the damn
1: book, everybody. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not out yet, but um, it's coming. Um, yeah, we, we talked about hotspots and not spots in there. And just how it, in some ways it's a little bit of a fallacy. Sure. It's marketing. Yes. And there is a company that produces a monthly property clock. hmm Markets don't change that quick, do they? Like,
1: Yeah, unless you're running a peak in like 2021, they can change rapidly but not, Yeah, I wouldn't say, monthly.
2: So you might say over a three- or four-month scale that like something's moved from warm to hot. Sure. And then, but, but then they can sit flat for five years. Yeah. So that'd be a pretty boring monthly newsletter, wouldn't it? It would be. So, <laughs> so we've got to create something. So that's yeah. what they, not prey on, but that's, that's their marketing tool. So I think it's, um, yes, it's important. Location is, is definitely the number one for most people, but I think it's actually the last for us when we design strategy for people. And not what I'm saying is the best way to do it, It's just the way that I think we should be doing it. When you look at, like I did a corporate workshop last week in um, Adelaide and there was 25, 20-year-olds 20 in the room, give or take, 18 to 22. And I said, "Who's wants to buy property in the next 12 months? And 90% of them put their hand up. And I said, who's been on realestate.com in the last week? 100% of them put their hand up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Next question, who knows what their strategy is? One person put their hand up. So we jump on realestate.com and we start in Broome and end up in Bendigo and, and off to Bernie in Tasmania and, mm-hmm. and then think, oh, geez, I'm confused and it's late at night and what am I actually doing? So I'll throw the phone down and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up and we do it all again. We don't. We actually become more confused than... We were before we jumped on.
1: And I think it is that notion of I've got X amount of dollars to spend. Let me see what that looks like in different pockets. It's not yeah. it's not an actual strategy of like the biggest house with the smallest amount of money. No. Kind of be like it's kind of the way that people go about it sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's right. And and the, you're right, the price is the, is the starting point, isn't it? Yeah. But they might not have even spoken to a bank or a mortgage broker by that stage. No. It might be like, oh, I'm comfortable spending this and I, th- I think it should be all right, but let's go and see what what's out there. It's like searching for a car. I've got mates that search for cars every day.
3: Yeah.
2: Are they wanting a car? No. no. They just, <laughs> <laughs> just like it. Have a look. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, When we jump on there, and I'm guilty of this as well, we jump on there at a price point that we think's okay, seven hundred, and then agents market well and say there's a house here that fits your criteria that's guided from seven hundred to seven fifty. We know it full well it's gonna probably end up at seven fifty, but it's out of my price point. Oh, hang on, let's just check what you can get for eight hundred. And all of a sudden, a click of a button, you're out of your price point. But that looks better than what I was searching for. So now we have a bit of FOMO and, yeah, it's just this whole emotional roller coaster.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. And it's quite easy to get confused very quickly.
2: Yes, yeah, which is great for businesses like you or me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? They just throw their hands in yeah. the and say, I'm just going to ring help? these dudes. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's that's a fact. Um, but any case, let's talk about some markets because I think mm. with all that being said, we don't want to finish the episode and say, no, there's no growth areas and we don't look at any markets and I don't think there's any hotspots. That's all a fallacy. We'll, we'll actually give you some data here. We're not a closed book, are no. we?
1: we? We like to give some gold where we can.
2: No, but if there is clients of mine listening, don't worry, I'm not going to give a out the full box and dice. so you-
1: Yeah, not, and not an address of a current property on market to buy. Like okay. we're not giving away secrets for free but we're talking about regions and I'm ready to be schooled on some geography oh, yeah. um, of where these areas are. So before we even like list them because I'm keen to get into the but before we do, what are some key tick box items you look for that would qualify an area to have growth?
2: Very good. So – Here's an example. You may be able to see this because you're in the flesh.
1: Oh, yes, I can see. John's just pulled up um, a Google Sheet.
2: Yes, we love our Google Sheets here at Envisage. We've got probably about 15 locations, 16 locations Yeah. for this client that had a strategy or or a a price point at $650. Now, Now, we won't mention these locations per se, but we've got... Reds and greens going everywhere. I can see
1: a lot of red and green and um, a little bit of yellow?
2: Uh, yellow is just the different state, yeah. Oh, so don't okay. Worry yellow, okay. Red. <laughs> Red's nasty, green is good, right? right. So down the left-hand side, we've got indicators as to what we think are really important when we're looking at a location. Sure. But before we've gone and done that, we've looked at the other seven points to the strategy for this client. Yeah. And I suppose to... To fast track that for today, type, yield, and price point are the, the first three we need to sort before location. Mm-hmm. So how much have I got to play with in terms of price? What yield do I need for my lifestyle and my strategy? Mm-hmm. Do I, is it a capital growth strategy or a cash flow strategy? And what's my savings rate like? And what's my next five years look like? Are I going to have kids? Am I going to be off work at some stage? Will I get an increased pay uh, through that period? Am I going around Australia for 12 months? Like all these goal-driven sort of questions. Yes. Uh, so once we've got yield and once we've got um, the price point, we can then say, right, similar to location, almost more important than location is the type of property. Yes. Am I buying a one-bedroom unit? Am I buying a five-bedroom house? What's the strategy? Um, have I got add value in my strategy... Or is it just a, a total set and forget? Don't want to improve anything because we look at three areas: capital growth, add value, and buy at discount. As the three ways that we can increase our wealth in property. Mm-hmm. So if we just rely on capital growth, which most people say is location. Yes. I don't, but okay. most people do. <laughs> then we're not thinking about the add value component where. You buy something that's 30 years old and make it brand new again through added, added value, liquor, paint, new carpets, new kitchen, bathroom, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then the buy at discount, well, how do we buy at discount? Well, we know what something's worth in the area because we've done our research but then we, we look at why they're selling, who the agent is because that's important. Yes. And... Then we know what we can buy something for, and we know realistically that that's worth four fifty, but I can get it today for four thirty.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So, so we've got to look at those things first before we then say, right, this is the the overall eight point strategy for this particular client. Now, once we get to location, we've a, a few of the important indicators: vacancy rates. Now, not just SQM research vacancy rates right now, but what have they been over the 20-year period and let's draw a line through the average mm-hmm. and then factor that in, good, bad or ugly. Anything under 2% is, is pretty solid, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Good gauge. For the type of property because vacancies for houses and vacancies of units are very different.
1: Yeah and even down to the beds if you can even go like how many
2: if you can extract that data even better yeah, yeah. yeah. now that might require some some elbow grease by just ringing 20 agents and mm-hmm. saying or property management companies what can't you rent at the minute yeah household income is a not not in a it's not our top priority but it's a we need to check it to see relative to the median house price, how affordable is it for most people in that area to afford something?
3: Because mm-hmm.
2: that means if they can afford something, they don't have to sell something quickly. In combination with that, we go a level deeper and say, right, how many owner occupiers own their home outright? Yep. How many owner occupiers are there versus renters?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, Blackwood in Adelaide, yep. 11% renters.
1: Oh, wow. That's very low.
2: That is awesome. Yeah. Now, some people say, oh, will anyone want to rent my home when only 11% are renters? Hell yeah. Absolutely they will because the owner occupiers are at 89% and that means that every street I go up, 89% of the street is nice because I'm an owner.
1: (laughs) That's not to say tenants can't keep their properties nice,
2: but they're just a bit less attached to it. That's right. Less pride. Yep. So, yeah, that, they're really key stats, those ones. And and uh, one, owning our home outright is one of the most important factors. And why is that? It, it's because take the last 12 months, mm-hmm. we've got interest rates that have gone from 2% to 6%. Those without a mortgage have been holidaying in France. Yeah. Like, they haven't <laughs> missed a beat. They've got no mortgage. Yeah. So they're not in risk of selling their, having to sell their house. They might want to, but they definitely don't have to. Mm-hmm. So the higher that percentage, the more stable the, the suburb. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. That's just my logic. Now take Geelong in Victoria. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, of course you do. <laughs> There's suburbs in Geelong that have 44% owner outright percentage. Wow.
1: that's high. I like that. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, definitely.
2: So we're happy to be an investor in that sort of location. Mm-hmm. If it fits our strategy, price point, yield, type of property. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, there's others that are like 12 and 13% owned outright. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that would be considered low. So it's understanding what the indicators are, but also then saying is that good, bad or ugly?
1: What's a good, like what would you not want to see it below? Uh,
2: look, ideally above, ideally 30%. Yeah. But we know that sometimes, especially in the, with the house prices and upsizes going to a new mortgage, that that's not possible. Sure. But, yeah, de- you definitely don't want to see it below 20 Okay. it's mm. a good reference point. Yeah.
1: So are there other things that you would consider before you then isolate a location?
2: Most people, we, we, we said at the top of the show, most want capital growth and look at capital growth and which one's going to grow the highest, the quickest. Mm-hmm. So we look at what's our 20-year historical growth rate per annum mm-hmm. and how many of those years have been positive years versus negative years. Yep. Now, usually, well, not usually, you do have to invest some money to find that sort of research, like results. Yeah. Yeah. So- for example, yeah. So take another Victorian town, ten point two three percent per annum. Sixteen of the total nineteen years, uh, twenty years, have been positive growth years.
1: Okay, yeah. and It doesn't matter how positive, just the, that's
2: just positive. Just positive, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if it, if if they're positive years, we're making money. Sure. Yeah. Now you can easily look at a place like Bendigo and say, well, three three years of maybe 40% growth, mm-hmm. 30, at least 30% anyway. But you need to go back further than that to say, well, what's the consistency been? If it's been flat for eight years before that or negative, then we've got a problem. Sure. But those stats have sort of weaned each other out to say, yep, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Population growth, looking to make sure that that population growth is, is um, improving mm-hmm. and at a reasonable rate. But- when people look at population growth, just because it, it's growing doesn't mean that the supply demand is going to be in kilter. Sure. So you can easily have an oversupplied property market that's growing in population. Yeah. It just means developers are left, right and centre building truckloads of units, apartments, houses, whatever.
1: So on the flip side then, would you also be looking at um, how many properties have been approved to be built?
2: Yeah, so you'd look at the council... Plans and and how many are in um, DA and all those like in the short term, but it's very hard to get a look at the long term. Okay, right. And what we've what we've seen in the last few years is a lot of developers have held off building because of building costs and holding costs and whatever, but they've owned this land for ten years. Yeah, okay. So they bought it for next to nothing. And they'll soon develop it now if we have too many doing that at the one time mm. what happens we have too many oversupply if the even though the population might be growing yeah okay so from a population growth percentage we'd say look two percent is really good mm-hmm. if it's going backwards then that's not a good thing uh, essentially we need to look at the supply demand we can get a bit of an idea through vacancy rates um, if we see the vacancy rates are up then that's not a good sign in the last sort of three to five years, but going back further than that. The economy and what sort of diversification of jobs is there? Mm-hmm. So who's the, well, the, the ABS, which is free data, census data, you can go and check each suburb or town around the country and that lists in order highest or lowest of the type of job that has the highest percentage in that town. Right. That's a really good stat to know that, okay, professionals make up 30% of the region. Professionals usually get paid well. They are on, yeah, good income, good stable jobs. They've always been in demand. So that helps with the stability of the area.
1: Yeah. They also do like a profile of the overall, like the average person in this area is X amount of age. Yes. Coupled, single with, you know, yeah. kids.
2: That's right. and And some of those things... To get a real picture of what's on the ground, you have to actually speak to the locals, don't you? Yes. What's happened and changed over the last five years? Who are you seeing coming to the area? Mm-hmm. What what are the school enrollments been like? Are they going up or coming down? Are they coming with three kids or two kids? So you might be talking to schools, you might be talking to real estate agents, you might be talking to the local butcher, like you a whole range of different people.
1: Or you could also leverage a Facebook group.
2: You could, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if they let you into that, then, yeah. <laughs> then great. Okay, so once we've looked at all that, you can then, like, like things like bushfire and flood, mm-hmm. like they're obviously factors that you always got to be looking into. They're risky. They're riskier, aren't they? So we look at it, all of this is probably, it's micro, but we need to go another level after that. Sure. So we've gone macro with like things like, population and economy and, and government spending and infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You go micro with, well, owner ox versus renting, the vacancy rates and the median house price and the household income and whatever else. But then you go another level to say what's our non-negotiables in that town. So it might be, well, I'm staying away from the west because there's a high percentage of public housing. Mm-hmm or there's a high percentage of tent, uh, renters there. Mm-hmm. We might be staying away from busy roads. We might be staying away, obviously, from flood and bushfire if we need to there. We, we might be staying away from a major slope right, yeah. of the ground, major shade. what Anything that's going to be less desirable for the long term when it comes time to sell it or, more importantly, for the valuer to come out and value this property. Indeed. Um, now, someone asked me yesterday about the school zone,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? Do I want to buy in a certain school zone? Well, yeah, that's great. But again, it comes back to the price that you've got to play or the money you've got to spend. I, I heard I should never buy opposite a school. Well, if you had the dollars, no, you'd go away from that in a quiet street or a no through road almost. Yeah but you might not have the funds to do that. So living opposite a school when you've hit all these indicators that I've spoken about, just because it's opposite a school doesn't mean it won't go up in value.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's proportionate to the fact that the buy-in price would be lower than something that's, you know, a block or two back
2: anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. right and, and still better than being on the, on the M5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we look at the condition of the house for the money we've got to spend in that location. Yes. So if my budget's 650 and I go to a location like Orange in New South Wales where the median house price is 700, I know that what I'm going to get for 650 is going to be inferior. It's not going to be brand new, mm-hmm. right? Do I compromise quality of the house or the size of the block? Yeah. Right. So that's okay. We just need to understand what we're getting so that the expectations are clear from the start. Mm-hmm. So... All in all, we've, then, we've identified our type of property that we want, as in bedrooms, um, size of land if it's going to house, the yield that we need, the price point, and then we're shortlisting locations. We're going to take a break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to name, I'm going to name a location or an area in every state. Oh, wow. Strap yourselves in.
1: Okay. So this is the goal that everyone has been waiting for, John, and I'm at the ready with my Google Maps to find out where you're about (laughs) to tell me to go and buy. So we've reached the point of selecting a location and we're specifically talking about regions that are most likely to grow over the next five to 10 years. Where do you want to start?
2: Where do you want to start? I'm, I'm an open book here. Let's
1: start from, I'm thinking about a map. Let's start Queensland.
2: Everyone's talking about Queensland, aren't they?
1: Are they? I thought everyone's talking about Perth. I thought Queensland's so 2021.
2: <laughs> well, they've been talking about <laughs> Queensland ever since the Olympics were announced, Yeah, right? yeah, so, so true. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Sunshine Coast fan.
1: Mm. Yep.
2: Again, I, I don't want to keep harping on it, but if your price point's right yes. and you can, you can get the right type of property, which generally is minimum three bedrooms, mm-hmm. a bit of land, then if you can get into the Sunshine Coast in some way, shape or form with that formula, I think you'd do well in the next 20 years.
1: Just like generally Sunshine Coast, like I know it's a bit of a corridor there. I've been to the Sunshine
2: mm-hmm. Coast. Yeah, good, um, good, good holiday spot. Yeah. So, yeah, like everyone would love to be in the nooses of the world but it's like we, we unless we've got one and a half mil, uh, the yields are going to be too low for investing. So this is what yes. you need to understand as well. Where's the best place to buy in Australia? It's Bondi. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Like it's a great spot there, but no one can afford it. So let's just erase it straight away. Yeah. So yeah, Sunny Coast, like even um like around obviously university, hospital at so like places like Budrum and Bly Bly and and I, I think they're good solid suburbs. Mm-hmm. There's there's a few no goes in those pockets, but generally speaking I think they're, uh, they're still relatively affordable. You're 15 minutes less to the beach and you're still getting in under a mill.
1: There's a place called Sippy Downs. I just like the name of that. Not bad, Sippy, Sippy Downs. Sippy, Sippy Downs. Yeah, it's a
2: bit of a poor cousin for those others, but it's closer to the uni and, and does have a bit of that accommodation. So. Mm.
1: Okay, so that's the region of consideration for Queensland.
2: Yeah. And set for growth. Now
1: moving down the map, New South Wales.
2: Good old New South Wales. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going larger regional. Okay. All right. So your your oranges of the world, okay. your Dubbos, your Tamworth, those sort of sixty thousand plus populations, mm-hmm. they've got airports. Mm-hmm. They they might you're not going to be commuting to Sydney every day. Sure. But you don't need to because the economies are so diverse. They've all got universities or ones being built. As we speak, Mm.
1: and I guess they're like satellite cities, right? They're definitely satellite cities. And if you
2: look at the New South Wales government infra, not necessarily infrastructure plans, but government spending, yes, they have a major focus around these satellite cities. Yeah, and um, because yeah, Sydney's pretty much landlocked in a lot Mm -hmm. of lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's where I'd I'd be putting a focus in the regions um, in New South Wales. Again, dependent on your price point, like. If you've got a million dollars to play, you mm-hmm. probably don't need to go to those locations. Okay. Because they're five, six, seven hundred K locations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the yield, the yield's important. So what you can get there is a better yield than buying something at a million dollars where it may only rent for eight hundred a week.
1: Makes sense. A C T, do we include ACT? Or do we just move to Victoria? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have no CO1 phrase. So ACT, I would be, we're going to have to spend a bit more, but yes. the yields are pretty solid in the ACT, but I don't mind uh, Queanbeyan.
1: Okay.
3: Mm.
2: Sorry for you, ACT, tragics, but Queanbeyan is actually a New South Wales Ten. town, <laughs> but it's uh, located in Canberra.
1: Yeah, the dividing road is very definitive on the map. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's quite big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's ACT.
1: right, moving around now to Victoria.
2: Sictoria. So uh, I'm heading, I, I, I like the Melbourne inner west and okay. I like Geelong. Okay. Both of those are going to require minimum 650, 700. Yes. Yeah. And we're talking houses with some land here. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, as you know, Melbourne's west has been a poor cousin of the east. For a long time. Um, and it's slowly gaining momentum. It won't catch up, but I think it's the position, the location to the city hasn't changed. Yeah, exactly, and it's pretty prominent, gentrifying.
1: Yeah, and also with the um, Westgate being the tunnel being done gives more accessibility. At the moment, it's it's a bit less desirable because the traffic is an absolute nightmare.
2: yes, and and the airport link that's been proposed and cancelled and proposed and cancelled again, That would have uh, helped with the Melbourne's West. But, yeah, any case, if you want to go a cheaper price point, go to Geelong.
1: Okay. so This isn't
2: advice, by the way.
1: This is um, general Mm. guidance. Yeah. Now, swinging along now to South Australia.
2: South Australia. Well, I mentioned before Blackwood uh, uh, up in the hills, low vacancies, low rental percentage. I just like... Uh, high owner occupiers I just like the the region in general really nice part also like the west I think there's some cheaper suburbs in Adelaide's west okay so heading out towards West Lakes but you've got in between West Lakes and the city you've got some cheaper I suppose up-and-coming suburbs I quite like
1: Blackwood isn't that far from the main CBD in Adelaide no
2: nowhere's really far in Adelaide
1: no yeah cool I've just done what people classically do to my own um, home <laughs> state. Can you believe it? I just missed Tasmania as we were chatting. I was like, oh, yeah, Victoria up to South Australia.
2: Oh, I thought you were um, going to leave the best to last.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: do you have one for Tassie? I've, I've, or I forgot, forgot about that. forgot about us. <laughs> no. The Apple Isle, shout out to my Tasmanians.
2: Yeah. Um, look, I think the affordability is still there to, to buy something quality in Hobart.
1: Oh, mm. uh, yeah. Depends what pocket of Hobart, but yes.
2: So, that yeah, that brings me to that point. Yeah. We're going to the cheaper parts that have some regentrification due for them and they're aligned to or, or close to blue-chip suburbs or desirable suburbs already. Sure. Right. And that's what I like about the west of Adelaide is you've got good suburbs around you and it's almost like the poor cousin next to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so in Hobart, I mean, it'd probably be maybe like West Moonah, Glenorchy in that northern, well, yeah, it's northern pocket of the CBD. And on the eastern side, I mean, Bell Reve is a pretty premium suburb, so the Lorraine mm. and Mornington, that sort of corridor. Correct,
2: yeah. yeah. And, that, and Glenorchy is a good example because you are somewhat landlocked there. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of Hobart's landlocked, isn't it? You've got water and...
1: Oh, yeah. Bush. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, of medium to high density. In ho- it's a lot of just houses.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose going to Tasmania, like the, the growth consistency hasn't always been great. So we're probably staying a little bit more conservative going to a capital city and just sure. buying in, in one of those locations that's close to an already established solid suburb.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so back on the actual, after I'd um, forgotten my Your home tour. state, yep. uh, back on the tour, we are up to WA.
2: Yes, over in the west. So I like suburbs between the city and the airport. Okay. Yeah. So there's um, there's been a bit of, a lot of infrastructure change um, to the airport mm-hmm. and in, in and around the airport. So whatever your price point is, yeah, everyone's been talking Perth up for a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sold on the long-term consistent growth of, of Perth, but I think in between the airport and, um, and the city offers some good buying. Yeah, Can so, I just
1: say WA is so big. Like I know it yeah. was, but now just revisiting the map of Australia and circling around, like yeah. the opportunity there looks to be – Insane in terms of how much land and, I mean, there's obviously only a portion that's really lived on, but with Perth being the real centre point
2: of. Yeah, that's right. And, and I have, a, have got a sweet spot for Busselton, Busselton. in the south. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think the issue is oh, that yes. it's already quite expensive.
1: Oh, and there's an airport there too.
2: Uh, yeah, I've never actually jumped on that. That's it, for, for WA. So okay. yeah, like if if people like looking at s- specific suburbs, like you've got sort of um, Cloverdale and Belmont and those sort of places, Forest Fields close to the airport, Bassendean. Like when you take somewhere like Bassendean, seventy percent own rocks, thirty percent own their home outright. Yeah. Wow. Now even it's twenty-year growth average is still around that seven and a half. Yep. 16 of the 20 years have been positive growth. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Considering for, what for we spoke about like,
1: in the first part of the episode.
2: Yeah, that's right. So something like Perth has had some, some ups and downs. So that's been pretty consistent throughout. Uh, median house prices still in the 600s.
1: Yep. And finally, finishing up in Northern Territory. Do we have anything for NT?
2: Oh, Look, really. <laughs> hard-pressed to go to... To Darwin, um, yeah. to be honest, or Northern Territory, should I say? I, I think I'll, I just look at some locations around the country and say, well, where would I put my money? How much have I got to spend? If I've got a million dollars to spend, mm-hmm. am I going to go to Palmerston in Darwin, for example, mm-hmm. or am I coming back to a Geelong in Victoria, uh, or a, a, a larger regional, or a, or a Perth or an Adelaide, and a I'd have to say I'm not going to northern territory if I've got that sort of money. Sure. Now if I've got like if I do a search, yeah. So if if I'm going to Darwin, like somewhere like Palmerston would be considered a good area to to look at, but I don't think I'd buy there as opposed to something similar but price point in a in a more reliable location. Yeah. For sure, Too many variables up that way. Um, the population is very transient.
1: Yeah. And I think when you look at other states and territories in Australia, there's options that might be a bit more stable as a whole in terms of predictability. And yeah. I think the best thing, I mean, we're in such a large country geographically, we have so much choice and maybe that's why people do find it overwhelming to know yeah. where to buy because there's so many options which is uh, a pro and a con at the same time.
2: Yeah, that's right. It can give us analysis paralysis, can't you? It? And, and it, it look at your, like you mentioned it before, like being a borderless investor, mm. like is your risk profile to happy to go anywhere around the country? Mm-hmm. If it is, great. That can present its issues. Yep. But if you're not, you're likely to buy local or somewhere that you've holiday or somewhere that's comfortable for you. We've just got to make sure that the indicators are there and not using the emotion from an investment point of view?
1: Most definitely.
2: Mm.
1: Well, that's certainly given some insight. I think um, for me, I just feel more overwhelmed with where to pick than, than <laughs> anything else. But And look, someone listening might feel that way too. As I highlighted, John is an investment specialist when it comes to properties. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking you need some help to buy an investment, certainly hit him up in the form of a clarity call maybe to even decide if it's the right thing for you. Or Envisage Property is the company that he has to actually help people buy investment properties and it can be very beneficial to have someone in your corner to do all this for you if you simply don't have the time. Some people I speak to are just like, I want to buy an investment property but I just want someone to do it. Like I'm Mm. not even prepared to like even think about researching. Just do it for me. I'm too busy.
2: Yeah, and and personally... I haven't done that. Mm. So before we started Envisage, it was hard for me to get my head around why people would want to do that. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Not because... everyone
1: loves property like you, <laughs> you do, John. They're not a property nerd. No, no,
2: true. <laughs> but it, it's from an educational point of view. Yes. And and regardless of whether we find it for them or not, we'll always spend time trying to educate them so that they've learnt something along the journey to yeah. give them an understanding of what we're doing. Yeah, um, 100%. Hopefully some of the things today has been helpful for someone
1: indeed Mm. any feedback you have on today's episode please feel free to drop it in the form of a review we'd love to hear from you and always feel free to send forward your questions but hopefully that's given you a little bit to at least go and google and some key indicators for you to consider when you're trying to select an area to buy in
2: totally yeah thanks for interviewing
1: no worries thanks for all your advice it's been an easy episode for me (laughs) (laughs) until next week
2: all right bye